0: Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. He's still in the business of changing lives, and that's what the business of the kingdom of God is. Amen? Well, if you're here for the first time or watching online for the first time, we want to make sure you're welcome. Let's give our guests a welcome this morning. We're so glad you chose to come worship with us and be with us, and we pray that you come back and that you enjoy it, you feel welcome, and feel God's presence, amen? Well, as you look at that testimony, this is one of hundreds in this church of people that God has transformed their lives. How many in here have had God do something in your life that only God could do? If it wasn't for God, we would be in a really bad place today, amen? Amen. And I want to talk about not limiting God. I I preached on this last week, uh, emphasizing the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to do a part two. So tell the person next to you, don't limit God. How many know we do? How many are guilty of limiting God? I'm going to raise my hand. All of us. We don't really recognize it or realize it, but we limit God. Because God is limitless and in our finite minds and in our carnality and in our human beingness. I know that's not a word, but it works in Texas. Amen. We, we do put limits on God, and, and we think, man, God can't. We say it, but we don't, sometimes we don't even believe the doubt. I don't, I don't know if God can do this, but we know he can. There's just that battle between our flesh and our spirit. And I want to give a story this morning and some thoughts to help you take the limits off of God, because God wants to do more in your life this morning than he's already doing. He's already done a lot, but he wants to do more. And when he's not moving, it's because of us. It's not because he doesn't have enough power or because he's too busy. And so I want us to take the limit off of God. How I many you know we can't really explain how big he is. I try in my prayers to say as many, I start off as, as Jesus taught us, hallowed be thy name, and that part is to worship him. I start off my prayers saying, Lord, I honor you and I respect you and I fear you and you're so awesome, and you're so amazing, and I and I go through my vocabulary, and then when I'm done, I'm like, I still haven't explained who you are, so I just hope you know, and he knows that he's awesome, amen, but we can never explain it, we could never like put it into words, how amazing he is, definitely not how big he is, he's a big God, he's a huge God, and uh, he's a supernatural God, but I started to think that, King Solomon did a pretty good job. How many remember King Solomon? He wrote the, the, the Proverbs, and, and he was that man that said, when God said, I want to give you what you want to ask for, he said, I want wisdom. Didn't ask for money, didn't ask for, for fame. He said, I just want wisdom to, to, to lead your people. And God said, okay, because you didn't ask for anything else, I'm going to give you all the things you asked for. And uh, he knew God very well and actually was the richest man to ever live on the face of the earth. No one's ever gotten anywhere close to, to King, King Solomon. In our, ta- in our day today, he would have been a trillionaire. We have billionaires on the earth, but he was a trillionaire. So he knew a little bit about um, money and fame and, and power, and he built that temple for God, and he wanted to build it amazing. And because of Solomon's temple... Today, all over the world, especially in Europe, people try to build cathedrals and buildings that could glorify and honor God. That's why they do it, and try to somehow bring God into a place that He could be worshipped. But how many know there's no building that can hold God? And so his, his final saying in 1 Kings, and we're not going to look at it, but I'm going to say it for you, I thought was pretty good. He says in 1 Kings 8, he says, Heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain you. Not that's pretty good. Heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain you. He's, he's that big. And so there, there's a God today. We all have problems in here. We have needs today. We, we might be going through a marital problem, a financial problem, a physical problem, a spiritual problem. Um, wh- whatever it is today, you might say, you just I just checked all those boxes. I'm going through all those. But the good news is we've got a God who can move. We've got a God who can change the circumstances, change the situation. He is all powerful and all-knowing. Scientists said this about, it. I thought it was just pretty good. There's a million, sorry, a billion trillion. How I many know that's too many zeros to understand? Trillions a number we, we really can't even understand, anyways. But there's a billion trillion stars as far as we can count in this universe. And I don't even know how they got to that number, but they did, they counted it. And listen to this, God says in his word that he knows all the stars and he's named every single one of them. Now, if that's not a good definition of who God is, I don't know what is. A billion trillion stars and he's named every single one of them. Now, listen to this, this is the most important part of the message. He's this God that if you say that would seem so far away that... I could never understand Him. I could never talk to Him. I could never listen to Him. I could never have Him do something for me or change me. But that same God wants to have a relationship with you. And not only does He know the names of the stars, He knows your name. He knows your address. He knows what you've been through. He knows who you used to be. He knows who He wants you to be. He's got a plan and a purpose for you. So that same powerful, unexplainable God today has no limits, and one of his greatest limits he doesn't want to have is he wants to have a relationship with us. Now, in here today, I'm going to show you something that will help you. We think of that God that's so far away, so big, so amazing, so so infinite. But I want to ask you a question. How many here have had a time, one at least one time in your life, that you prayed and you know you asked God something and you know God answered? Let me see your hand. Now, keep it up and look around this congregation. Look at all the people in this place who have experienced a God of the universe who has actually heard their prayer and knows He answered. Amen. If God did it before, He'll do it again. Amen. Amen? God, When God is not moving in the capacity that we would like to see Him move, it's not because of Him, it's because of us. I want to give you two words to write down. Maybe you'll walk out of here and not remember anything else. Two words I want you to get out of your vocabulary and two words I don't want you to have in your mind and two words I want you to defeat every day because before I give you those two words, there's only two things God can't do. Can you imagine that I'm talking about a, a limitless God but there's two things he can't do? He can't lie and he can't fail. You believe that? God cannot lie and he cannot fail. Those are the only two things he can't do. But there are two things we can do that limit God. And one is, we doubt. We doubt. And the second one is, we disobey. Those are the only two things you can do to limit God. God's power is available. God is willing. He he wants to do more than we want to even ask. Smith Wigglesworth, one of the greatest men of God to ever live, who raised seven people from the dead in the name of Jesus, who was a, a plumber, A humble man of God, mightily used, said, God is more eager to answer us than we are to ask. How many believe that this morning? We cannot think of him as that God that's so far away that he can't hear us, but at the same time we must understand he's so big that there's nothing he cannot do. That's the balance we must have as believers. So I want to get into some stories in the Bible this morning, but before I do, I want to remind you God is omnipotent. That means he is all-powerful. Uh, there's nothing lacking. He is omniscient, which means he is all-knowing, and he is omnipresent, which means he's everywhere at all times. That God that is omnipresent and omniscient and omnipotent is in this place today. He wants to change our lives, transform our lives, and he wants to show us that there's nothing that he cannot do. Can you say amen? Let's look at a well-known story in the book of 2 Kings, and right as you're getting there, let's just pray for this message. Holy Spirit, we thank you for this time together. I bless everyone who's a guest this morning, who's come to uh, visit our church. Maybe they're going through town, in town, visiting, looked online. Whatever it is, invited by a friend, let them feel your presence and hear your word and know that this service in this church is about lifting up the name of Jesus. And Lord, we pray for those that are watching online, those that are sick, those that are struggling with problems in their lives, that you would just move today and let this word be a revelation to us. And Satan, we bind you in Jesus' name. And we come against every power of darkness that would hinder the word of God from being preached and letting these people believe that you are a limitless God and we should not limit you. move today and speak through your word in Jesus' mighty name, amen. I want to read a story about Naaman in the Second Kings, chapter five. I uh, hope you've read this or at least heard this story. But before we read it, there a little background: is this man is is in need of a miracle, but he is a very powerful man and has leprosy, and so he has uh, has heard that somebody can heal him, and this is where the story picks up. We're going to pick up in verse one. But this story is so good for this message because. Right before I read it, I'm going to give you one more thing to write down. God is always working in your situation. Okay? Taking notes, write that down, and I want you to underline it. I want you to circle it. I want you to put a star by it because I want you to remember it. God is always working. What that means is, is you're in this, you're, we are not omnipotent or omniscient or omnipresent. We are just right here. We can't, sometimes our minds are other places, but we're physically right here in a situation. Today, your situation is what it is. And you're only seeing what you can see. But God is over there working on your situation. He's over there working on your situation. He's over here. He's all over the place in different places, different times, working on your life. But you can only see right now. And so we are limited in our understanding that God is always doing something, and and even when you're in a time of struggle or trial, He's doing something for your benefit. He's doing something to bring you around. He's doing something to bring you to victory. You just don't see it right now. How many have ever seen God do something, and when you look back on what happened, you understand, okay, that's what God was doing. We only understand that when it's done. As, as mature Christians, what God wants us to do is get to a place where when we're living in the situation now, we remember, even though it doesn't look like anything's happening, God is moving. His angels are working. His spirit is working. His plans are working, even though I don't see it. You think about that testimony of Joanna and her family. She, so we see the finished product now of that testimony. We see now that they're married. We see now that their kids are serving God and that they're doing things for the Lord. And they've grown. They're still in this church and they're maturing and they're learning. But if, they, if she was to look back before that testimony, she would not have been able to see the finished product ahead because she could only see then. And right now, many of you are in the place they were at the beginning of the testimony. And God is making your testimony right now. He's making a testimony out of your situation. You just have to understand that and believe that, amen. And and you're always coming out of a victory, or you're in the middle of a battle, <clears throat> or you just one of, or you just, are you going into a victor or a battle? There's always a battle. Can't even figure that out. You're always fighting something. You're always going through something. So you might have just won a victory, and you enjoy it for a few minutes and get ready to go into the next battle. Or today, you might be right smack dab in the middle of the battle. And let me tell you something. As Pastor Dwayne said at the, at the prayer, you're going to win. Tell the person next to you, you're going to win. Tell them you can't lose. Do you believe that? Why? Because we have a God who is all-powerful. We have a God who's all-knowing. We have a God who loves us, a God who's amazing, a God who's supernatural. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He knows yesterday before today. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He, he's, he's in charge, and he loves us. So watch this story. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master. Because of, by him the Lord had given victory, To Syria, he was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. He was someone who had to walk around and say, I am a leper. And people would have to move out the way to not be around him. It was very contagious, very bad disease. And so he is a man that's very, very powerful, but has a very great need. Number two, verse two. And the Syrians had gone out on raids and brought back captive a young girl. This is important to the story from the land of Israel, and she waited on Naaman's wife. Now watch the next verse. And she said to her mistress, if if only my master were with the prophet who's in Samaria, he would heal him of his leprosy. Now go back to verse 2 again. This is a powerful thought, because see right here in this story, Naaman needs a miracle. But he needs somebody to tell him who can give him his miracle. Joanna and David and their family, Kaylee and Eric and their family, you and your family, myself, none of us would be here saved if somebody wouldn't have told us there's somebody who can save you. Right? Someone's got to tell you. How will they know if you don't hear? How will they hear if they're not sent? How, will they be, how can they preach if they're not sent? So this young girl with no name, she's important. And notice, she's been taken captive. That kind of rings the bell right now. That just happened a few weeks ago. Hostages from Israel were taken by Hamas, and Israeli girls and Israeli men and Israeli people were taken. This is the same thing. is nothing new. So this girl's been taken captive, but this young girl that we don't even see her name could have said, Woe is me. I've been kidnapped. I'm in a bad situation. I'm just going to sit here and pout. But you know what she did? She said, I'm going to let God use me. I'm going to let God use me in my bad situation. She's taken captive. If you're here today and you're not held hostage, you're in a good place. Amen? And I'm not talking about being held hostage by your husband or wife. Amen. I'm talking about by somebody else. Amen. Right? You're in a good place if you're not a hostage today, if you're not captive to something. You have liberty to be here. You can get up and leave right now. You came here on your own. You have that liberty. She says, I'm not going to let my circumstances... Keep me from being used by God, and so she speaks to uh, her, her, the mistress of Naaman's wife, and tells her, verse three. Again, let's read it. There is somebody who can heal you. If only my master were with with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would heal him of his. Le-. He didn't. She didn't say might. He would heal him of his leprosy. Verse four. So Naaman went in and told his master and said, Hey, this girl told me that there's some from the land of Israel that there's somebody who can heal my leprosy. Verse five. And the king of Syria said, because the king of Syria had a dog in the fight, his dog in the fight was Naaman, and he wanted Naaman to be healed. Because of this girl's faith and her not limiting God, we begin to see now Naaman believing. We begin to see now the king believing. And he says, I'm going to send a letter to the king of Israel, and I'm going to send you with some money, some talent, some silver, some gold, some changes of clothing. Watch this, verse 6. And he brought the letter to the king and said, Now be advised when this letter comes to you that I've sent, this is the king writing, my, and my servant to you, that you, watch this faith, you may heal him of his leprosy. That young girl took the limits off of God and now Naaman... And the king are believing. See how the chain of grace works? When you have faith and you don't limit God, people can look at your life and say there must be a God. But how many of us, unfortunately, could be believing in God but limiting him? And people are looking at our lives just wanting to see a God who can heal their marriage or heal their body or change their lives or get their addiction off of them, but they, don't see, they see limitations in us. We don't think God can do it. But this young girl said, I'm going to be a light in darkness. I'm held captive here, but there's a person who can heal you, Naaman. She's not getting anything out of it, but she's getting glory to her father, God. Y'all with me? So this is happening. There's faith. We're going to send Naaman. Naaman's going to show up. And now we see in verse 7, sorry, 8. So it was when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes. Wait, let's go back. I think we missed something. And it happened that the king of Israel, thank you for, she was just doing what I asked her to do. King of Israel read the letter. He tore his clothes and said, am I God to kill and make alive? So here's the problem. The king thinks, how am I going to heal this person? That's our problem a lot of times. How am I going to heal this person? How am I going to change this person? You know why I preach on healing in this church? You know why I preach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit? You know why I preach that a person can be delivered from addiction? Because it's not me that's doing it. It's Jesus. I don't have the power to do it. I could sit here and tear my clothes all day when you hear situations going on in our lives. What am I going to do about this? But we have a God who has no limits. And if we can just get the people to Jesus, Jesus can heal them, right? And so he said, well, how am I going to do this and make this man alive that's, that, that, and heal him of his leprosy? So he says, please consider, and, and, and then he takes it as a fight. This guy's trying to quarrel with me. He wants, he's going to send me this guy and ask me to heal him. That's a lot of times why God doesn't move because the wrong person's involved, now watch this, verse 8. In other words, let me just hit that real quick. When you're talking to somebody at your workplace or your neighbor or your family member, you don't have to bring them to church to get healed. You don't have to bring them to church to get saved. You pray with them. You say the sinner's prayer with them. You lay your hands on the sick and they'll recover. That's what he's trying to teach us here. It's not you cut out the middleman. I mean, if you get him here, I'll pray for him. We'll agree together. But how about you pray for him? Last time I read Mark 16, it says, And those who believe in Jesus, these signs will follow. It doesn't say the pastor, the evangelist, and a few chosen people. These signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will lay their hands on the sick. They will recover. They will speak with other tongues. Who? Those who believe in my name. Those who don't limit themselves to think that that's just for the pastor or the super spiritual mom or the super spiritual Sunday school teacher, it's for everyone. We want to see a revival in our church? Start witnessing. Start praying for people. Start praying for the lost on your own. Get them saved and bring them to church and say, hey, pastor, this person's coming to church now. I led them to the Lord at the office. I led them to the Lord at the supermarket. I prayed for them. Last night, Pastor Jose and I were eating dinner in a restaurant, and our waitress had a horrible sciatic problem in her nerve, and she said that she could hardly walk. And I said, do you believe God can heal you? And she said, yes. And I said, put your hand on your back, and we prayed for her right there in the, in the, in the restaurant for her healing. We don't have, I didn't have to say, hey, come to church tomorrow, and we'll pray for you. How many know it's right now? But it's not us. It's God. The limit is on us. We've got to get it to God who's limitless. So now, let's, let's move on in the story. <clears throat> Verse 9. Oh eight. 8, sorry. I keep doing that. Are we on 8? So it was when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes. Look at all the people involved in this story. That he sent to the king. So he finds out that the king gets the news and he's tearing his clothes. And what am I going to do? And, and how's this going to happen? And then somebody steps in and says, hey, I, I'll pray for him. I got the answer. Has God healed anybody in here? Raise your hand if you've been healed. Why can't you pray for someone else to be healed? How many you been saved in here? Why can't you pray for someone else to, sa- to be saved? You can. You need to be that person that hears, hey, I'll, I, I know who can, who can heal you. His name is Jesus. And so he says, let him come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman, this is so good. This is important. So Naaman now has been called by Elisha. He is a man of power. He is a man of strength. He's a man of valor. He's a a war man. He's He's a man's man. He's a soldier. And he is expecting some special treatment from Elisha. He is expecting to get to that door and have Elisha open that door with the red carpet and welcome him in and, and pray over him and this miraculous miracle is going to happen. You know why? Because that's, we have a certain way we think God's going to do things. Don't we? Or is it just me? Here's how God's going to do it. And let me just tell you something. Like Lysol 99.9% of the time, God is not going to move like you think. Has anybody else realized that in this world? He does not do it the way we would do it. And that's why he's God. Because if it was something we could do, we wouldn't need God. Maybe you're in a situation right now and it's pretty bad. Guess what? That's good. Because you have a God that deals with bad situations that man can't. Amen? Amen? If all we had to do was get man involved, we'd be in trouble. But we have a God who's just waiting to be called on, saying, I can do this if you'll just take the limits off of your mind of what I can do. So he gets to the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha didn't open the door. He sent a messenger and said, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times. So he gets this news from a messenger. He's already upset that the guy didn't come to the door. And now he wants him to go wash in the Jordan, which is a very dirty river. And he says, your flesh shall be restored. Now leave this up for a second. To you and you shall be clean. How many would take a miracle however you can get it? Why would you argue? If I told you today that you could have your finances restored, your marriage restored, your body restored, whatever it is, if you'll just do this, why would you say, no, I don't want to do that? That's not how I want to be healed. But that's what we do. We limit God. So he says, do this and you'll be clean. Watch what happens. He should have just gone, but no, he becomes furious. And he went away. Not going to get my miracle that way. I'm not going to get healed that way. No way. Matter of fact, he didn't even come out to me. And I thought he was going to come out. Here's his idea. And stand and call on the name of the Lord, his God. And wave his hand over the place and my leprosy will be gone. That's what he was expecting. But a messenger came and said, hey, go dip seven times in the nastiest river. And he became furious. See how God works? And we work, put ourselves in our everyday situations. We have a certain way, we want God to move, and if He doesn't move our way, we're just not going to do it then. We don't want it. We don't really want the miracle that bad. but God's testing our obedience. God's testing our faith. When our doubt and our disobedience overcome our faith and our obedience, we don't get anything from God. right? Aren't the Abana and Parfar rivers of Damascus much cleaner and better rivers? Could I not wash in them and be cleaned? And so he turned away in a rage. Tell the person next to you, thank God for you. Because watch what happens in the next verse. Someone comes along and says, hey, if he'd have told you to do something great, wouldn't you have done it? How many are thankful for somebody who told you? Just, Just believe. Just try it again. Just stay in contact with God. Just do what you're supposed to do. This is why church is so important this morning because we can be here together and we can encourage each other. We can help each other. We can believe. How many, listen to this, how many know it's easier for you to believe for somebody else's miracle than yours? I've lived that my whole life, preaching the gospel. There's been many times I've been sick myself, prayed for people, and they got healed. And I'm sick. Because they, I can have faith for them more than I can have faith for myself. So there's a powerful thing when someone comes along and sets us straight and says, why are, you, why are you being like that? Just do what God said to do. If he asked you to do something great and amazing, you do it. Why don't you just do it? So thank God for that person that puts him, in, puts him right. Now watch what happens, what he does. He listens. <clears throat> Verse 14. So he went down and he dipped seven times in the Jordan. According, this is the key. According to the saying of the man of God. How many know God's plan is already written? God's purpose is already written. God's will is already written for your life. We just got to line up with it. And he saw, according to the word of God, he finally got over himself and got over how he wanted it to happen, how he thought it was going to happen, and he went and dipped himself seven times, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Amen? The limits came off, and he got his miracle. But how many of us can put ourselves in this story and see that many times we're believing for something and things aren't going the way we want them to go, and because they're not going the way we want them to go, God's not moving. That's called doubt and disobedience. Look at Psalm seventy-eight forty-one. This is something the Israelites have done their entire existence. Yes, again and again. They what? Tempted God. How did they tempt God? By limiting the Holy One of Israel. We tempt God when we limit Him. How many don't want to tempt God? I want to please God. He says in His Word in Hebrews, the only way to please God is through faith. Without faith... It's impossible to please God. This is a dynamic in the supernatural realm of the Bible that that most Christians don't walk in. It's not just about getting saved. It's not just about going to heaven. It's about understanding that God is a supernatural God that wants his name to be glorified. And if he doesn't do things in a supernatural way, he won't be glorified. So he needs us to just step back and believe that God can do what we can't do. And when we get in these situations that we're standing in right now that we don't understand and they don't make sense, we got to remind ourselves God's up to something. He's doing something right now. God is always working. And if I'll take the limits off, he'll work faster. Amen. Amen. And it says the day when he redeemed them from the enemy. Some of us would say, man, if God would part the Red Sea for me, I'd believe. I'm going to give you some news. As I've watched your lives, he has parted the Red Sea in your life. If God would just tear down the walls of Jericho for me, like he did in the book of Joshua, I've seen your life. I've seen what God's done in your life. He's torn some walls down in Jericho around you. You just don't recognize it because you're in it. It's been big. It's been amazing. God's done supernatural things for you. You just don't see it because you're in it. But Somebody else comes along. Have you ever looked at somebody else's testimony? and God, Man, when's God going to do that in me? And that person looks back at you and goes, man, when's God going to do in you, what he, what in me, what he did in you? We all envy each other's testimonies. Yet he's doing stuff all the time, all the places. Now, here's the key. I'm going to begin to close. This is important. This is a revelation you have to have. Isaiah 55, 8 through 11. This will help you. The way you don't limit God is you don't try to think like God. Because you can't. God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. So if you're trying to think of how you would do it, God is way above that. And he's going to do something way better. Someone was telling me after first service, a couple that drives a long ways to come to church every Sunday, all the way from Oklahoma City, wrote down their, their goals last year. She was crying as she was telling me. I'm I'm sure she told some other people, too. Crying as she told me. that As she looked at her goals from last year, they were prayed for certain things and that she had gotten three to five times more than what she had prayed for on everything on her list. God God wants to do way more than we even ask for. Let's use a generic example from Kaylee of her awesome testimony of the offering. I don't know how she prayed specifically. But it very could be likely that she said, Lord, give me, if you could give me a 50-cent raise, because we limit God. We don't ask, I'm, I'm guilty of this. We don't ask for enough. Not that God is a genie. This is beyond that. This is walking in the will of God and understanding that, that he wants to bless us. He wants to prosper us. He wants to be glorified in us. And so she might have said, Lord, I, I, if you could give me a 50-cent raise, I'll give more to the church. I'll give more to the things of God. And God said, no, I don't want to give you a 50-cent raise. I want to give you a $2 raise. Does that makes sense. He's always going to do more than we expect because his, his, his miracle is a lot bigger than ours. The way he's thinking is a lot higher than ours. So it says, next verse, please. My, as, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down, the snow from heaven, and, and does not return there, but waters the earth and brings forth and buds. Watch that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. He says, "So shall be my word that comes out of my mouth. It won't come back void. It will accomplish what what I please." The key is to unlimited power with God is to get in His will. After Jesus said, "Hallowed be thy name," the next the next phrase was, "Your kingdom come." Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If you're here and you want to have the limits taken off from God, you need to be in the will of God. And when you're in the will of God, you automatically want to put God first. And when you automatically put God first, God responds to his children in a powerful way and does more than you could ever ask, ever think, ever desire, ever expect because he's a big, awesome, amazing God whose ways are so much better and bigger. And he says, and here's and I got to hold head of myself a little bit and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. How many know we have prayed for some things we didn't need? We've gotten some things we didn't we thought we wanted, but we really didn't. And again, I'm not talking about your spouse. Amen. Just just joking. <laughs> <laughs> I just saw a cloud there. I don't know where I saw it. I'm just kidding. Write it down. God is always working, always, all the time. He's working all the time. But we're stopping him. We're putting limits. We're doubting. We're disobeying. He's saying do this, do that, and we're arguing. God wants to get us to a place where we're, we're just, yes, sir. You want me to give that? I'll get that. You want me to go there? I'll go there. You want me to do this? I'll do this. You want to have this? Here it is. That's where God wants us to be. Because he's abundant. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. So here's the question. Is our faith and our walk in our lives lining up with what God is thinking about us? How many would probably think probably not? Because I believe the way God is thinking about me is way more than I think of myself. How many know we have a, self-esteem problem. All of us. Even if we're confident, we still have a self-esteem problem. Because we don't feel like we're good enough. So God says in Jeremiah 29, many of you know this verse, I know the thoughts I think towards you. You don't know them. And probably the thoughts that we think he thinks towards us are not the thoughts he's thinking. They're probably better. You know why? Because it goes on to say, says the Lord, I have thoughts of peace. And I have thoughts not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Are we lining up our expectations for our lives with God's expectations for our lives? look what he says in the next verse. Then you will call upon me. Actually, go back just for a second. We're gonna call on God, but he says, if you'll understand my thoughts, and how I think towards you, which you are in my eyes, then you'll be able to pray a different way. And he says then, verse 12, then you will call on me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. When you start to think about yourself the way God thinks about you. How many know we don't think highly of enough of ourselves in the eyes of God? And we can disrespect God that way because He has made us perfect. And and when we say, I'm not worthy, then you're telling God that His blood's not enough. We know we're not worthy, but God says, I forgave that. Quit thinking about that. That was 10 years ago. That's under the blood, that's gone. It's as far as the east is from the west. I'm not thinking about that anymore. You are limiting what I want to do through your life because you're living in that place back there. I'm already way over here. And I want to take you way over there. Amen? He has thoughts towards us of powerful thoughts, of expected in, of a peaceful future. We limit God. Write this down as I close. God has no limits Okay, that's the title, but this is the key. Don't impose yours on him. Don't put your limits on God. What is this all about? What does this really come down to? This really comes down to being the most effective witness that I can be for Jesus. That God can use me at school. That God can use me at work. That God can use me in the store. That God can use me everywhere I go to share my faith with other people about Jesus. And they can say, hey, I've got this problem or that problem. And you don't, you don't get scared and go, oh, you say, God can do it. God can do it. Amen? God can do it. I told you guys, some, some of you haven't heard of it, about the very first time I ever prayed for the sick, ever in my life. I wanted to see miracles. Watch, God, watch what you asked for. I want to see miracles, God. I want to I glorify your name. And I preached in Mexico and and I did an altar call and I said if anybody's sick come and nobody came. And I didn't even know if they were understanding me in my messed up Spanish. And finally I was kind of hoping for someone to come forward that had a headache. Like hey my head hurts, you know? Can you pray for me? Those are easy. But I how many have pray for someone and you're like, "Oh, not that." <laughs> not the wheelchair. Not the, not the crippled person, not the blind person. And this grandma brings this boy down the aisle with a softball-sized tumor in his throat. And I'm thinking, no, Lord, not that one. Let's start with something else. We do that. We limit God. Cancer or a headache is the same to God. Dead or alive Marriage on the verge of divorce or just barely getting started. It's all the same to God. Nothing goes beyond God's power. If we just take our limits off and say, God, you can do this. All God's looking for is faith. All he's looking for is faith. So we have to battle the disobedience and we have to battle the doubt. And say, Lord, you are who you say you are and I'm going to take the limits off. And I'm going to believe you to do great and powerful and mighty, and amazing things. In the book of Job, chapter 11, he says, can you search out the deep things of God? Can you find out the limits of the Almighty? They're higher than heaven. What can you do? When we get to an understanding that I can't do anything, but God can. This isn't about, thank God it's not about us. You can't save anybody. You can't heal anybody. I can't deliver anybody, but Jesus can, and we're his conduit, and all we got to do is say, Lord, I believe in the name of Jesus, this person can walk. In the name of Jesus, this person can be healed. In the name of Jesus, this marriage can be restored. In the name of Jesus, this person can be delivered. In the name of Jesus, my neighbors can be saved. My kids can come back home. My, my, My life can be restored, whatever it is. What can you know? Their measures longer than the earth and broader than the seas. He's saying this is so, it's beyond my understanding. And the last verse says, no, that's it. They're the measure is long, longer than beyond the sea. But I'll give you one more Psalms 147. Great. Say great. People say God is good, and that's okay, but he's actually great. God is great and mighty in power. Nothing he cannot do. It's not our job to heal. It's just our job to pray. We will always believe until someone breathes their last breath, God can heal them. Amen? When When they do breathe their last breath, we understand sometimes that's God's healing. But we won't be afraid of the stage four or the stage three or the stage or the doctor's report because we have a God who has no limits. And the only reason things aren't happening is because we're doubting and we're many times disobeying. If you begin to think as I close right now, right now as I'm thinking about this, you think of sometimes this week the Lord has told you to do something and you have disobeyed. I'm not talking about sin. I'm talking about he told you to talk to somebody. He told you to pray for somebody. He told you maybe to do something that didn't make sense. He told you to do something. Church, I got news for you. If it doesn't make sense, it's God. Look at the Bible. Jesus would spit on the dirt, put it on the eyes, tell people to walk on water, tell people to go get a colt that's tied up. Everything is beyond our power. When you feel like God's telling you to do something you can't do, it's God. Because he's never going to tell you to do something you can do in your own power. He wants us to go beyond ourselves. And that's when a revival happens, when a church begins to believe that there's nobody that can't be healed. There's no marriage that can't be restored. No, no person, no addict that's too far gone. Church, we've been in this church long enough. We have pastors pastoring today, preaching in their churches right now in the Metroplex who were 20-year f- meth addicts, who were, who were drug dealers, you can't tell us, and you're in the wrong place if you're going to try to tell us God can't save people and deliver people and heal people. We've had people here healed of cancer. We've had marriages that not, were not only getting divorced, were divorced, and they're together. People that were separated. We, I mean, I could go down the line. Over. You're in the wrong place if you think we're going to believe God has limits. But we have to continue to contend for His greatness and understand that His power is our power. Lord, today, as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, help us to stop limiting you. Help us to stop doubting. Help me, God. I'm preaching to myself before I preach to this congregation. Help me to believe that there's no relationship that can't be restored. No family member that can't come around. No Even help us to realize there's no nation of our nation that can't change. Our our country can still change. Our nation can be saved. This world can be saved. Lives can be changed. God, it's us. uh, We're the problem. We're withholding the glory of God because we're limiting you on what you can do. Help us to stop limiting you. In In this place, as heads are bowed and eyes are closed all over the place, how many... Could say here, I'm limiting God on doubting that I could be forgiven. Doesn't matter what you've done in this place, what sin you've committed, what felony you've done, what prison time you've sent, spent, where you've gone, what you've done, what you've said, doesn't matter. There's forgiveness right now for you. There's healing for your spirit and your soul. Jesus wants to change your life. How many all over this place right now could say, Pastor, I don't know Jesus. Just lift up your hand and put it right back down. Say, would you pray for me? I want to be saved. Just lift it up. Don't let that rain distract you. I see your hand. God bless you. How many more? I see your hand. God bless you. I see your hand. How many more? I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. Here's the simple gospel. Don't make it difficult. Here's the simple gospel. You're a sinner. You need a Savior. You'll never be good enough to stand before God. Jesus came down and died on the cross for your sins. Paid your price so you could be forgiven and have eternal life. All you have to do is believe. How many could say, I've never done that before? Just put your hand up. I want to pray for you. Let's stand all across this congregation. Let's stay in an attitude of worship, please. That God who strung the the billion, trillion stars in the sky is thinking about you right now. And Revelation says he's knocking on the door of your heart. Several hands went up. That's honesty between you and God and you're saying, I, I, today's the day I'm choosing Jesus, just like Ioana did in that video, just like all of us here have done. We say, today's the day that I'm going to admit that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. I'm going to humble myself and I'm going to put my faith in the only person who's ever been to the other side of death. His name is Jesus. There's no other deity, no other God, no other religion that can boast of a person who's been to the other side of eternity and come back but Jesus. So you raise your hand here, and you meant it, and you want to give your life to Jesus today. Just find that nearest aisle where you're standing and come down here quickly. We want to pray for you. Just step out. Just come. Hands went up. I'm going to wait for you for just a moment. I can't make you come, but I know you. I know you raised your hand. Don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. The reason we do this is because The Bible says if we confess Jesus before man, he'll confess us before the Father. But if we're we're ashamed of him before man, he'll be ashamed of us before the Father. Amen. Just come on out. We've all done it. We've all made the step of faith. We've all admitted that we're sinners. We've all said, I'm going to give my life to Jesus today. Amen. Someone just come stand behind her, please. Praise God. We're going to say a prayer with those that are watching online before we forget and go offline. Let's all say this together Lord Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner and I fall short of your glory. I can never get to heaven on my goodness or my good works. My righteousness is like filthy rags. But Jesus, you made a way, you are the door. You came down from heaven and lived a sinless life. And you died on the cross to take all my sins and my disobedience upon your body. And then you died and shed your blood for my sins to be forgiven. And then you rose from the dead to defeat death. Jesus, please forgive me. Wash me with your precious blood. Cleanse me from all my unrighteousness. And from this day forward, I'm going to live for you, obey you, and walk with you. I am no longer who I used to be. I'm a new creation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Let's give God glory and praise this morning for this soul and those that raised their hand and those that are online today. We thank you, Father. As we begin to sing a song today, let's open up these altars. I believe there's some situations that you've been limiting God on. Meet Him here. Don't, if you're new and you're a guest, don't think that coming to the altar is a, a thing of weakness. We're coming to listen to the message. We're coming to pray about what the message spoke to us. Some of you have been limiting that God can save your family. Some of you have been limiting that God can grow your business. Some of you have been limiting that God can heal your body. I don't care how many times you've prayed for your sickness or your business or your job or your family or your neighbor. Do it again. God can. God will heal. He will deliver. He will set free. The only thing stopping it today is your doubt shake the doubt off, shake the disobedience off, and begin to believe. As we begin to sing, let's just talk to God. In your personal life, what are the limits that you're putting on God? Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.